Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by Bend Active. Guys, if you are looking for the perfect holiday gift for the ladies, check out bendactive.com. I am merely Bo Bishop. Johnny Ginter is on the other end. It is the Dubcast. And we sit here on a Tuesday. And if I were, let, let's jump in a DeLorean, you know, throw a, throw a banana in Mr. Fusion and hop in a DeLorean and go 20 years in the past. And if I were to tell you, <laughs> Mr. Ginter, that your Ohio State Buckeyes had beaten Michigan, that they had won the Big Ten championship and that they were playing USC in a big time bowl game, your reaction to that would be I lose my mind. I'm like, this is an, this is one of the best seasons. It's like, pretty good. Twenty years is incredible. <laughs> and isn't that then the damnedest thing about the playoff era? Is that this football team, in my estimation, probably played about to what it should be. Um, they didn't overachieve, they underachieved some, but in the end they probably played to a record that I think is appropriate for for this roster and this incarnation of the Ohio State football team. And yet, I will acknowledge that on Sunday, as I am sitting here in my living room watching the teams come off, and I saw Alabama, I was pretty floored. I was pretty floored because in my estimation, everything that needed to happen with, save for one exception, I'll get to that in a second, but everything that needed to happen happened. Um, Georgia won, which weakened Alabama's only loss. Oklahoma won, which kept them, uh, you know, because Ohio State was going to jump them because they beat them head to head. So that takes care of that. And Clemson won uh, because Clemson's, you know, even with two losses, Clemson, you could argue, would have been more impressive than Ohio State. So all of those things happened. Um, in fact, Auburn kind of got stomped. And, and yet, it was Alabama who was unveiled, and I don't believe that the committee necessarily got it wrong. I was just shocked that they made the decision that they made based on everything we have we had been told leading up to it. Right. So, were you shocked that they made the right decision, or are you shocked that they made yeah. that particular decision? Both. Both. I, I think, in retrospect, they made the right decision uh, yeah. based on the best team. If if the if the idea is for best teams then I think they got the four best teams. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't argue, and I, it, we, I've been very clear, I would never advocate for Ohio State to get into the playoff with a 30.1 point loss at Iowa. You just can't. Right. Exactly. And I've watched this team play all year, and th- there hasn't been enough steady dominance. Um, there's, not an, there's just not enough. And uh, they played a more ambitious schedule than Alabama. And so when, I, when I'm shocked, what I'm shocked about is Ohio State had the be- better resume. Ohio State's quality wins – we're su- we're superior, um, and and yet Alabama got in based on I think primarily just a belief that they were better, and that's okay because that's what these guys' job is to determine who the four best teams based on any metric that they see fit, and in this case it appears to be the eye test and their gut, and they're telling us trust us we got the four best teams. Yeah, and I think they did, and, and that's you know we we ran a poll on the site we've got like almost six thousand responses on it, and it was. You know, basically asking, do you think that Ohio State got screwed? And, you know, the way it was set up is that, yes, they got screwed. No, they didn't get screwed. And then the third option was, well, maybe. I mean, both Alabama and Ohio State have their deficiencies. And only like 20, I think it was like 22% of people said that Ohio State got screwed. Like most people would agree that, you know, if you're encouraging. Yeah. And and look, if you're looking on the merits of both teams, then I think you got to say that Alabama probably is the better team than Ohio State. And I don't know that a lot of Ohio State fans would necessarily argue that. So on that basis alone, I'm not freaking out about it. I, I don't know that I was surprised because I think the narrative was starting to shift against Ohio State even before the Big Ten Championship game. I think a lot of people were were talking about that loss and a lot of people were talking about, you know, what have you done for me recently? Uh-huh. And 
you know, the thing about Ohio State is they will forever be tethered to the rep that the Big Ten has over the past decade. Um, and I won't say forever, okay, because, you know, they, Big Ten can do a lot to change that in the next, you know, few years, especially, I think, as the conference gets a lot better with new coaching. But you really have to to weigh that rep down. And Alabama is not a great team this year. They, they have a lot of deficiencies no. in a lot of different ways. And I think Clemson is going to stomp them because I think their defensive line is going to eat Alabama's offensive line alive. But even though the SEC is down, even though the Big Ten is a little bit resurgent, and even though you know Ohio State has the capability of being a very good team, there's last year hurts Ohio State. The overall yeah. perception of the Big Ten in general, just over the past decade, I think hurts Ohio State. And I think Alabama's just reputation from Nick Saban as, as winning all these championships in the past like five six years it, it helps them out. And you know, I think. A lot of people look at Ohio State and go, well, well, they got in, you know, when they were they were the fourth seed and they went in and they won the national championship. And I think a lot of people just view that as a complete fluke. And, and not that it's necessarily a bad thing or that Urban Meyer is a bad coach, but just that that's not something Ohio State would replicate on a year-to-year basis. And when you get shut out last year in the playoffs, uh, it's just not something that I think people are going to give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt on. So furthermore, it, it shocked me, but, it, yeah. you know. I, I'm, I am I am a little interested to see how this goes forward and, and if they continue to try to look for just the best teams. Yeah, Ohio State, I think I think a couple of things happened. I think they're not supposed to do it, but it's human nature, so naturally you would. Uh, the committee would look at the last two times the Big Ten was in, and they would say mm-hmm. Michigan State got stomped and Ohio State got stomped. Right. Um, so that's that's definitely in top of mind you know, to them and they're trying to build the, they're, they're going for the four best teams. And so, you know, they don't, they don't, they have no interest in 31, nothing again. They don't want to right. see that again. And exactly. I think there's a chance that could happen. Wisconsin or I'm sorry, Clemson isn't as dominant as they were a year ago. Cause they don't have Deshaun Watson. So they're not quite the dual threat, but defensively they might be better. And, and th- there's really not too many holes with them. So it, it did, you're, that was not going to be a matchup that from a, if you're on that committee was going to deliver. Mm-hmm. The um the two issues I have uh, with the committee and the things that that bothered me um, was number one the idea that the week to week poll ha- carries any significance when it clearly doesn't. Oh yeah, and that's a total lie. That's that's Absolutely a not. pretty big lie. It was proved unequivocally in 2014 and was proved yeah. even further over the course of this year. Uh, the poll week to week is meaningless. If you spend any time talking about it or breaking it down or trying to mince the words of whoever the committee chair is next year, you're wasting your time. It means nothing. The idea that Kirby Hillcutt a week before could say that the difference between five and eight was whatever he said minimal is a joke. (laughs) It's a joke because the difference was great between five and eight. The other thing that really bothered me was the idea that they, the week before the Big Ten championship game, put Wisconsin number four. They obviously, Johnny, did not believe that Wisconsin was the fourth best team in the country. They put him there begrudgingly. They put them there as a showpiece. And they put them there disingenuously. Wisconsin was not the fourth best team in the country. If they, and I don't think anybody in that committee believed it. If they, what, what they should have done is ranked Wisconsin where they believed they were, which was probably about 12th. They put them four because, out of obligation, out of whatever, to make a show, whatever. And that gives the false sense of hope. And you sold false hope and you sold ratings on, on college football throughout the weekend. If Wisconsin is fourth in the country and Ohio State beats them and the difference between Ohio State and Alabama is minimal, then Ohio State should have been in. 
If all of those things were true, they should have been in. But guess what? The week-to-week poll doesn't mean anything. The difference between Alabama and Ohio State was a Grand Canyon, clearly in the eyes of the committee, and Wisconsin was never the fourth-ranked team in the country, even though they put them there. So it's okay. those three things, lie, 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 those things bothered yeah. me. And, and that, to me, was disingenuous, the way that they approached it. They approached it to build a television show and to create drama for the weekend, not based on their honest rankings. Right. And I 100% agree with that. But what I wonder is, you know, let's say Wisconsin wins the Big Ten Championship. Are they then basically obligated to put them in there? I believe so. And that's why I was surprised Ohio State wasn't in. Yeah. Because I thought they would feel obligated to put Ohio State in. And that almost furthers your point, too, right? Because if they truly don't believe that Wisconsin isn't the fourth best team, but yet they would have to put them in because of where they've been ranked week to week. That's exactly I mean, right. That's, and they should have ranked them where they believed they were, which was yeah. 12th right. or wherever. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's an interesting situation. Um, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about whether or not this is going to lead to expansion. I don't necessarily think it will. I don't either. No. Yeah. I think as long as people are watching the games, I don't know that they want to dilute the brand. Um, because the, you know, yeah. the, this has been a pretty popular format and I think people enjoy it in general and, you know, we yeah. get to grouse about it and, and say what, you know, we like and what we don't like, but ultimately as long as people are watching and they're setting records doing it, I don't know that they're going to screw with it too much. So, um, all right, L- let me ask you this. I agree with you. I think they yeah. keep it at four. It stays as it is. Let me right. ask you this. If I were to, if we were to go back in time again, and at 2000, the start of the 2000, and let's go 2013, tw- whenever we knew there was going to be playoffs. So right before the, t- at the end of the 2013 season, when okay. Ohio State loses to um, Michigan State, and then they close it out in the Orange Bowl with a loss to Clemson. If right. I had told you at the end of that year, that in the, the first four years of the college football playoff, do you think Urban Meyer would ever have a team that didn't have to worry on a Sunday if they were in or not? And I would say, yeah, of course. Of course he's going to have the overall number one team or the number two team in the country at some point over the next four years when it comes time to make this selection yeah. with all of the talent and all of the, uh, and all of the expectations that are placed. And so then I started to think, and I heard Urban say this, it was like it is every Sunday this time of year. I sit around on a couch and wait, and I think, boy, he's had to do that four times. Like you think about Dabo Sweeney hasn't had to do that the last three years. He knows he's in. Knows he's right. in. Nick Saban's only had to do that once. He's made it all four times, and the first three times, he didn't have to worry about it at all. Um, Hell, Oklahoma, the two times they made it, didn't have to worry about it. And here's Ohio State, all four years, on pins and needles, trying to find a way to get in. When I thought about that, and I thought about that on the way down to Columbus today, going down to tape the television show, it it clicked on me that I would, that's shocking to me, that they haven't been a lock going into this thing on a Sunday. Is that surprising to you? No, well, I guess it depends on what my expectations are for Urban Meyer, right? And and where I view Ohio State as a program. Because, I mean, if you think about those individual teams, because I always, as a person, you know, and as a coach, Urban Meyer is clearly, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I don't really know that you can really discount right. that. But if you look yeah. at the individual teams, I mean, one of the things I always harp on about Ohio State fans and, and that I actually view as a positive is that we really – are very self-critical when it like you don't you don't really take time to appreciate the awesome because we're always focused on the the punt return team or something like that right and and don't really say like this is a dominant world beating team because mm-hmm. i just think that makes ohio state fans uncomfortable but i don't know i mean if you look at all these teams with the exception honestly of, of 2014 where i think in retrospect they were just going to you know road grade every single team in front of them for the next 20 games in a row 
Um, I don't know that you have a team that is just unbelievably dominant in every phase of the game to where you can go, they're absolutely in, they're absolutely going to do this, well, no. in part because of no, some of these late-season losses. Right, that's my point. I'm surprised that that hasn't happened, though. I'm surprised that they that when you think about it, like it's surprising to me that at no point in four years has Urban had an absolute hell-beater team that he knew was right. in going into the final yeah. weekend. That's surprising to me. Um, I know, I'm not saying that any of these teams deserve to be that, the sure. best team he had was 2015, and we all know what happened. It was mismanaged right. from the start, and the rest is history. That was right. his best team. Uh, 2014 was a miracle, uh, the way that that all played out. Um, 16 and 17 obviously had high expectations, a lot of NFL talent, ranked high, weird losses, um, and and you get what you get. But it is surprising to me that he's that every year he's been on the fence, that there yeah. hasn't been a year where he's been automatically, when Ohio State's been in. I mean, we every every year we sweat this thing out. Yeah, you, know, you didn't well, make sure you're going to make it in 14, didn't make it in right. 15, on the edge of your seat in 16, controversially, and then this year you don't make it. You're on your edge of your seat again. That's a little surprising when you think that Saban, in three out of four years, has just sat back and relaxed because he knows he's in, and Dabo Sweeney's done the same three times in four years that he's been in it. He's known he's in. He doesn't have to. Yeah. He's not I think a lot of it, it comes down to, to coaching and continuity on, on the staff in general, and I think, honestly, sure. I think that time is coming for Saban. Um, that's, they're, they're maybe. a good team. Alabama's a good team and Saban's maybe the best coach of all time, but, yeah. uh, that's coming for him. And you can't keep that up forever. And I think honestly, like, I don't know, in, in retrospect, whatever we look at the Meyer and however long it lasts, I think a lot of the things that people will notice and think about as they go through is just the fact that you could not keep an offensive staff together. Your defensive staff was constantly changing year to year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not. I mean, you can have the greatest players in the world, but if the, you know, JT Barrett has what had like three or four different offensive coordinators to work with or, or quarterback coaches. Yeah, like, how insane also, is that? Yeah, but that's also big time college football. I mean, that happens everywhere. I mean, Clemson's had three offensive coordinators the last five years. Yeah, uh, they've you know, and they've made it with two different offensive coordinators, you know, to the national championship game the last couple of years. So, I mean, that does happen. I mean, that happens at Alabama, too. Saban's gone through a bunch of coordinators defensively, offensively, and he keeps knocking on it. So, I mean, that is a product of where we are in college football, where people are going to want to jump off these. I mean, teams are going to want to hire people associated with Urban and Saban and Dabo. Like, they're the best at this right now. And I think the thing that we have to kind of come to grips with, you know, as a fan base and as as as, as for right now, you know, the second best program in college football is not us. It's Clemson. So, it's Alabama. And then it's Clemson, and then it's Ohio State. Based on what's happening on the field, what's happening in recruiting at the moment, uh, Clemson is the second best program in the country. And so Ohio State's got to have one of these years where they're a no doubter, where they run roughshod through the Big Ten, and they're a no doubter, and they get back at it. Because if you think about Clemson, you know they've played for the last two national championships, they've won one, they're in it again this year as the number one overall seed. That's better than we've been. So that's that's where we're at right now. And it's no shame in that. I mean, God, you're still miles ahead of anybody in the Big Ten. It's just a pro- – it goes back to the opening statement. And that is – what it really is is a product of your expectations. How do you view the program? Right. Can you enjoy this program if it doesn't win a national championship and it doesn't make the playoff? Urban has set the standard so damn high that it's almost like if they don't, it's a wild disappointment. Fair enough. I hope not. That's kind I, of where I mean, we are. I- like, yeah, I would I would hope that's not the case, though, because honestly, like this has still been a fantastic season overall. I mean, the, it's hilarious, though. I mean, there, there's definitely a very, you know, Ohio State kind of baffling, insane loss that makes no sense for any yeah. reason. 
Uh, and that's that's just something that I think, you know, I don't want to say it comes with the territory. It just feels like it happens a lot. It does. Uh, but, you know, like, honestly, the end result is you're playing USC in the Cotton Bowl somehow. But it, to me, that's a good result, especially when you start I off agree. with the youngest team in college football. You have, you know, maybe some hangover from last season where you're you're a little disappointed in how it turned out. I just I think things start, turned out pretty well. You win a Big Ten championship for only the second yeah. time in Myers' tenure. Mm-hmm. I can't be upset about that. And no. and frankly, I'm really looking forward to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you. I think, like I said off the top, it's an appropriate result for yes. this team. Agree. Th- you know, I don't think it's it's nobody gets screwed. Nothing like that. I think it's I think it's about where this team should be. And we'll talk about that USC game a little bit later on in the show. Uh, still to come, we'll be joined by former captain Maddie Wilhelm. He will join us. But first, we take. A deep dig on that Big Ten championship game that saw the Buckeyes capture just the second Big Ten championship of the Urban Meyer era. But first, a word from our title sponsor, Bend Active. Fellas, if you're like me and you're struggling to find guests for that Buckeye lady in your life, check out Bend Active, locally inspired fitness and fashion apparel. Be sure to make your special someone smile with the package arrives. The game day collection. I know you guys have seen it. it features officially licensed Ohio State leggings, tops, sports bras, yoga mats. Adorned with that iconic pants stripe worn by the Buckeyes, Buckeye Leafs, and the Blocko. They also have the Shelly Meyer collection, tops and bottoms inspired by Shelly, and proceed uh, from those sales go to the Urban and Shelly Meyer Fund for Cancer Research. Bend Active, its empowering message to be flexible, strong, resilient, is a Columbus-based company with its storefront located on 1617 West Lane Avenue in Upper Arlington Shops on Lane. Shop now at www.bendactive.com and tell the special someone You've earned your Buckeyes. All right, back into the program. Big Ten Championship game is in the books. It was Wisconsin. It was uh, in a, in a kind of Johnny to me, a microcosm of the Ohio State season. Yes. At times brilliant. <laughs> uh, at times baffling. J.K. Dobbins is really good, and the Ohio State defensive line is dominant. I mean, that yeah. was kind of like the – I know that the narrative is J.T. Barrett and, you know, whether – I know that there was so much – it's like you have to pick a side. I don't know why. There's a lot of nuance to it, but – you either have to pick a side. Like he had the guttiest, most heart-filled performance in the history of Ohio State, or he's a dog. And if Dwayne Haskins play, they are in the college football playoff. That's like there's no gray area with him for whatever reason. Um, but to me, the the game in general kind of was just what this team is. Um, they ended up getting it done. And it was awesome to see a Big Ten championship. My favorite moment was when J.K. Dobbins is awarded the MVP, and it appears that he's near tears because of the surprise he of it was all. Shocked. Um, I don't think he knew he was yeah, going to totally floored. I don't even think he knew what was coming. I mean, he's a kid. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, here's Archie Griffin handing him a statue. I mean, it was pretty great. So um, it was it was a it was an at times frustrating game, but the result is one that was uh, long overdue. And and I think in the end, and, and, and at the end of the day, you're happy about it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was. It's funny that you say it was a microcosm because that's exactly what I was thinking. And not just a microcosm for like the team, but for like JT Barrett in general. It's like mm-hmm. you know what looks Absolutely. bad sometimes, looks great sometimes, wins the game anyway, and. Mm-hmm. You know, look, <laughs> it's it's funny because there are so many people who are going like, okay, fine, but, you know, we could have won by 30. And I'm like, it's one Big Ten championship. You beat an undefeated yeah. team. like, And it's just, it, to me, I it is a perfect encapsulation of the conversation that Ohio State fans have been having for the past three or four years, which is, yeah, that was great. That was great, but we could have won by more. And yeah. I just no, it is. I, I love it in one way. It drives me insane in another way. Um, and it, it drives me insane because I think there are legitimate criticisms. I mean, you throw in pick yeah. sixes and all this other ridiculous crap. 
But uh, ultimately, it was I think it was an entertaining game. I think the defensive line, if you want to talk about any part of Ohio State this season that was like, you want to talk about being utterly dominant, the defensive line has single-handedly won probably half the games this season. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane yeah. to watch what they're able to do. When Look, when Wisconsin had the ball with a few minutes left to try to go ahead and, you know, win that game, I was like, they're not going to do it. It's not going to happen because the defensive line is going to get like five sacks. And then they're going to throw an interception. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And that's already happened this season in that exact same sequence. And we knew it was going to come. So I, you know, it was a fun game and I, I enjoyed watching the defensive line just ball out like they did. So that was fun. Let's start there and save the JT stuff for a second uh, in a bit. I, I I'm with you. What was, what's really amazing to me when I think about this, you know, this Ohio state football team. And I know that the majority of the conversation will be about JT and JK and because we like offense and it's fun to talk about. But right. what I'll remember about this this team is Larry Johnson's defensive line. I will I will think about the way that I will think about the way Greg Schiano handled this week to go oh, from yeah. you know to be completely like character shamed on a Sunday and lose what would be a dream job at Tennessee. I mean that's a good job, not now, but what was at the time? Um, <laughs> was to lose job? that, yeah, to lose that, and then kind of rally yourself and put on just a defensive performance of dominance. And I I what strikes me. Is is how good this team was all season at stopping the run. Like you just could not run on these guys. I mean, Saquon Barkley was stopped in his tracks. Jonathan Taylor Saturday, 40 yards on, I don't know, 16, 17 carries, whatever it was. I mean, he couldn't do anything. Wisconsin could not run the ball. Taylor was a 1900 yard back. They could not run the ball. Couldn't do it. Um, and so they forced Hornybrook to try to beat him throwing it. And he just he's just not a good enough player to make him make him pay for it but the the job that i was thinking about this today like the job that larry johnson has done with the ohio state defensive line it's not shocking because we all knew that he was probably the best at that at penn state but Mm -hmm. the fact that somehow we stumbled into that guy i mean it's the defensive line equivalent of stumbling into urban myers your head coach i mean you lose vrabel and you end up with larry johnson it's crazy and he's spectacular and they everybody loves him and he's just the best in the country at that one thing he's just better than anybody else and it that's when I, i'm with you when i think of that game unbelievable what they did up front yeah and and you look at the the guys on the line too i mean just who they have and they've got some really great leadership but they also have some really great guys who are just up and coming and it just seems to kind of feed back into itself and that they, they you know, they had like basically two games all season where they looked vulnerable on, you know, on the defensive end rushing. And and honestly, a couple of those or one of those was earlier in the season, which doesn't really count because it's Army. And mm-hmm. the other one was Iowa, which is just completely baffling in every single sense of the word. But every time, every other game, they were just com- super dominant up front and, you know, making plays at, at really opportune times. Um yeah, I don't they were great. And the other thing I want to say about the defense real quick, and this is what I was terrified of going to the game, was the idea of um, you know, Hornerbrook and Fumagalli just hit, right. you know, hooking up like 20 times and just tossing yeah, it right, right over the heads of linebackers. Sure. Drone Baker man had a day. That dude played his had ass an off. Unbelievable game. Um <laughs> they they basically shut down <laughs> Fumagalli. That dude didn't get anything done. Yep. So they did an incredible job. That's something they'd been struggling with all season, and that got fixed at a really good time. And I, that's something I think people need to be talking more about in terms of narrative because that was incredible. That was a really great performance by Baker especially. Yeah. I almost wouldn't even blame Jerome Baker if he doesn't play in the bowl game <laughs> and goes pro and just says, that's my last game. Yeah, there you go. That's my film. Like, watch it. That's my film. Just watch 16, that. 16 tackles. 
He was unbelievable. Yeah. No one else all season in a single game had more than, uh, I think, 11 or 12. Yeah, Yeah, he was 16. So that was fantastic. I really enjoyed watching that. And the fact that they were just in coverage doing really great things, really smart. Um, You know, Paul Chris is no dummy. What what they've been able to do with Wisconsin uh, in the past couple of years is really remarkable. And, uh, yeah, I'm just – I'm impressed. I'm impressed at how well the defense played in some really crucial times. And, yeah, I mean, you look at the ultimate boxer and, like, oh, they gave up you know, X, Y, and Z numbers. doesn't matter. I mean, they, they played very they well when they had to. So. They really did. And the, the Buckeye offense was just, <sighs> boy, I, uh, I, it's weird. It's been a couple years of this, just kind of uneven. I mean, they've, yeah. they've had these great tailbacks, you know, in Weber and to a lesser extent, Samuel and now Dobbins, I'm sorry, Elliot, Samuel Dobbins. Mm-hmm. They've had all this talent at running back and, you know, Zeke, obviously they rode him pretty hard. Uh, and Dobbins had 170 yards, but I mean, by God, he could he could have had 250. And what was crazy to me is when it was time to like go win the game, it was JT Barrett running left and right. I mean, it was it was <laughs> it was no run. It was zero back set, quarterback sneak left and right to try to go win the football game. And so that's just not going to change. I mean, Urban's been doing that for a long time. That's just who he is. When it comes time to win a game, he doesn't want anybody touching. I mean, you all goes back to 2013 with Braxton and Carlos Hyde. Like right. the quarterback is going to make the play. Like I'm not going to give it to the tailback and the quarterback's going to make the play. He's going to run for it. And I would say that from an Ohio state offensive perspective, if this is the offense that they're going to continue to run, and I have no reason to believe that they won't. Um, I honestly don't know if Dwayne Haskins is the best fit for it, because if they're going to rely on the court, they're going to have to change the way they go about their business with Haskins. Cause he's not a runner. No, uh, he's more in the, no, he's the Cardale Jones type. Really? I mean, so they're going to have to adjust the way they play offense because if they're going to insist like they did in 2015 with Cardell at the beginning when they insisted on on him running read option, if you're going to insist that that uh, Dwayne Haskins runs read option, then it's going to be a long couple of years because that's not who he is. It's not. Um, So I'll be interested to see how that evolves, Um, because the way that it was, this was not the best way to win this football game. I mean, JT was 12 of 26, two interceptions. I think he only averaged like three yards a carry um, running it too. So, I mean, this was not the best way to go about your business offensively. It it worked for a victory, but going forward, I do think there's going to be some real big serious questions that need to be answered in terms of what Ohio State is offensively. And Haskins may force their hand. He may force them to change the way they go about their business. All right, we want to be sure and tell tell you to visit 11 warriors dry goods for shirts hats stickers and more it is the holiday season and nothing better to give than the goods from 11 warriors in the dry goods shop go to drygoods.11warriors.com and with that we bring on the captain my good buddy matt wilhelm up here in cleveland we do we did cleveland browns daily on friday so this is twice in a week i get to see maddie so or at least talk to maddie makes me happy uh how you doing on a on a fine tuesday my friend Makes me happy too, Bo. Uh, could be doing better as the, the Buckeyes could be in the Final Four and the Browns could have gotten a win on Sunday. <laughs> it wasn't the best weekend, was it? Um, no. let, let me get your – as you're watching on Sunday, and, and I know that you were, you're, 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 you're curious or you're hearing about how the Buckeyes, did they get in, did they not? What was your feeling after the game on Saturday? Did you think that they would be in? Were you surprised that they weren't? Uh, no. You know what's funny is I, I think in hearing Urban Meyer's comments about did I hope for it yes did I think we would no and that's ultimately in my gut I wanted it for this fan base I wanted it for the opportunity for the program to be showcased because I think the college football playoff 
and, and just being in that elite company to, to have the opportunity to make that tournament and have the potential to make the, the, the championship game. And then we know what that 2014 uh, year felt like to maybe uh, replicate that. So missing out on that is, is kind of why I was hopeful we'd get in. But then at the end of the day, and this is really not even about Bama, the reason why I don't want to get in is because I've seen this team up close the last couple of weeks while I was a sideline reporter for the uh, ING Buckeye Radio Network. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that this team could go out and do any different than last year's team did against Clemson, that number one seed. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on, uh, among other than just liking you individually. Um, You've seen them up close. Um, You know, you've seen them up close the last couple of weeks due to that experience. You've been on the field. Um, in 2014, and, and certainly in 2015, although they didn't make it, you saw Buckeye rosters that you looked up and down. And you say, yeah, they can play with anybody. They're as good as they pass any eye test. And this this team didn't. Um, what what were the deficiencies in your mind with this team from, from even 2015, 2014? I think a lot of it defensively. The front is absolutely amazing. And I would say it solely lies maybe defensively on our linebackers. Uh, you know, the inability to make the big play. I, I know Jerome Baker had the big game against Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, making a, a, all over the field, making plays all over the field. I'll give him that. Uh, but then I would also, you know, shift my focus to the offense. And I think if that zone read, that quarterback run zone read is not working for us, I struggle to think that JT Barrett, one knee, two knees, 10 knees, can drop back, throw the ball 35 times in a game and, and win us a football game. And something, and that's something that I thought would be fixed with J.C. Barrett getting, you know, one more year in in the scarlet and gray, and Kevin Wilson becoming our offensive coordinator, coming over from Indiana. I thought he would fix that significantly better than he did. Now, did did K.J. Hill and, and Paris Campbell, you know, his injury uh, missing, you know, a portion of time hurt us? Yes, but I thought the that Ben Victor would be would stretch the field better. I thought that Austin Mack would be, you know, almost like an like an Antoine Bolden esque possession receiver and then Campbell would be you know what Braxton Miller w- w- has been in the past as the H-back and and you know it, it just never really panned out that way and I thought when we had to drop back and pass I kind of cringed and held my breath that it worked out you know good for us. So I guess what that comes down to then is is, is this a personnel issue or is this a coaching issue or, or I mean obviously some combination of both but maybe what's more responsible for the fact that you can't shift to that drop back type of offense or, or is are they even capable of doing it I think it's a combination of both I, I really do and, and maybe in some cases I know Urban is dedicated to running the football and really doesn't want to get the passing game going until he really dedicates and has success on the ground and, and that's okay because you know he's got a proven track record of success I, I just look around college football and you see what what Baker you're telling me we don't have better wide receivers than what Baker Mayfield is doing with you know, in the Big 12 against no – I know there's no defense in the Big 12, but you can't tell me that J.T. Bear can't throw for 300 yards on, you know, six different opponents within the Big 10 when we have four-star, five-star wide, recru- wide receivers, you know, at every position. So I, I just think there's maybe a, a lack of creativity. And in some cases, Urban, even in some of the tighter games, goes back and plays his own version of trestle ball, relying <laughs> on the quarterback run – and right. really relying on either J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber to get those tough yards. No, it's a great point, man. I was I just was talking about it in the previous segment. I, 
I um I wonder if the if Dwayne Haskins will force him to change the way that they play offense and because he's not a read option guy. People think he is, you know, because he looks like he would be, but he's just not. He's he's more in the Cardell Jones mold than anything yeah. else. And and really the best Ohio State has been offensively under Urban was the three-game stretch with Cardell because he had the big arm and he took the safeties a half step back and it allowed everything to happen. It allowed Zeke to run for how he ran, and it allowed for the receivers to get deep and all those things. I'm wondering if the move to, to Dwayne Haskins is going to be one that forces Ohio State's hand to change what they are a little bit offensively. It, it very much could be. you know. And that being said, Urban Meyer loves competition as much as anybody. And you look mm-hmm. at just that quarterback room in general, you've got Haskins, you've got the Joe Burrow kid who can't see the field but in cleanup duty. You've got the Gatorade player of the year in Tate Martell who's, you know, can't sniff the field, but looks great in a uniform on the sideline. And then Emory Jones, the commitment from, you know, down South, who's I believe a four-star, five-star recruit as a quarterback slash athlete is going to join that crew. He's probably most like Haskins. So that very well might be the recipe for success because as much as I want to pound you out and run the football with Weber and Haskins, I think I want to see us be able to win through the air because that's what the Clemson, and the Oklahomas of the of this college football playoff are going to do to to win a championship. You know, I so it's interesting because we kind of had this discussion a little bit uh, before we we talked to you, and and we kind of you know one of the things that we were thinking about, one of the things that that Bo posited to me was, you know, Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship, and then they go play USC in a bowl game, and and how do we feel about that? You know, ten fifteen years ago versus now, and I I mean. In your mind, is this a successful season? Is this something that, you know, Urban Meyer and, and the rest of, you know, Ohio State fans can kind of hang their caps on? Or is there something that they're maybe justifiably a little disappointed in? I think, I think the, the latter of, of those points. I think everyone should, should justifiably be disappointed because uh, you're getting the last year of JT Barrett. And, and believe me, there's, there, might not be, there might be an uptick in the offense through the air, as we just mentioned. But there's going to be a drop in efficiency. The decision-making, the leader that JT Barrett is, I think that will affect next year's team. And I think Urban Meyer and this team's goal is to get back to the college football playoff. And I think they all look back in their rearview mirror and they go back to that Iowa football game. Uh, on what was missing on that road trip that we showed up and lost in that fashion? What went wrong? And I think in some cases, I said this on the, on the sideline during the Michigan game as Michigan went up 14 to nothing, Michigan was using the Iowa template to break tendency, to really bloody our nose, to make it ugly, and throw, you know, they had no completions to a wide receiver, I think, until the third quarter. So it was just tight ends, fullbacks, just really getting our linebackers and our defensive backs miscommunicating and looking at the wrong things uh, with some of the play action to, to, to jump out ahead. So I, I think while... USC Ohio State is going to be uh, nationally probably the next best bowl game beyond the college football playoff. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be great for college football. It's the stage, you know, kind of like the Midwest and the West Coast meet. So I think it's good from a national perspective for them to meet down in, in Dallas and in, in Jerry's world and at t Stadium. But at, at the end of the day, it's going to be most intriguing, Bo, and you know this having done Cleveland Browns Daily with me, a lot of Buckeye people, a lot of Buckeye fans also rooting for the Cleveland Browns, and they're going to get an up-close and personal look at Sam Darnold. Yeah. And I think if Sam, right. if Sam Darnold can play well against what might be the closest thing he'll see to an NFL defense, he could shoot up a bunch of draft boards and be a lot to be drafted number one. 
Oh, I guarantee you that bowl game is going to do the biggest bowl game number in Cleveland. Like that game will be <laughs> all of Cleveland's watching that game. I assure you. I mean, the Buckeyes dominate up here anyway. They do a great job. Huge numbers up here anyway. This is a Buckeye town. But I mean, the fact that Darnold's playing against him is going to be enormous. What I, what I I just wanted to say this. I, I know we're about running out of time with you, Matt. You got stuff to do. But I, I, when people hear you, this is what's interesting to me. And I want to tell people this who aren't in Cleveland. So Matt does Cleveland Browns daily and he pours his heart and soul into it. And he studies the film and he knows the Browns like any, like nobody knows the Browns, like every intricacy of the Cleveland Browns. And I've been fortunate enough to do the show with him a few times. And um, it's just me point guarding. I mean, he's, he's Michael Jordan. He does all the scoring. I just point guard it through well, thank and, you. and we have a good time doing it. But what's amazing about Matt is all of the time that he spends on the Cleveland Browns. And this is a guy who's analyzing NFL primarily. He knows Ohio state like the back of his hand. Everything that he just said, I mean, that that's as good an analysis as you're going to get on the Buckeye front. And this is a guy who does the NFL for a living. So think about the football mind. So I appreciate you, buddy. Um, My pleasure. You Anytime you know that. Cleveland Browns daily. Thank you, brother. Anytime. All right. Good stuff out of you, pal. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you take in your podcast. All right. Final segment of the program. Uh, it is USC. Um, let's save the breakdown for the, for that game because we got a lot of time to do that. So let's save the breakdown on that. And and let me just pose this to you and, and the czar, I had lunch with the czar today and he brought up something to me that I hadn't considered. And that is that Ohio state will play in Jerry world in six, eight months. Yeah. Uh, next year against TCU. Right. And so this is a game against USC in Dallas on December 29th. So it's closer to Christmas, which is make for a tough, you know, a little bit of a tough travel time. Do you think that there will be a, a great response from the fan base to going to Dallas to watch Ohio State play USC and Jerry World. I hope so. I mean, I, I think I think the matchup alone is a good one. Ohio State hasn't beaten USC yes. since like the seventies. So, I mean, yeah. anytime you get an opportunity, especially for me, like if I had the means and the time to do something like that, I would one hundred percent go. Mostly because I really vividly remember what I was doing both times Ohio State lost to USC most recently. Um, mm-hmm. One time I was in Japan checking my phone during a student sports day at my one of my middle schools where I was teaching. And the second one, I was at a friend's house with like 30 other people and we just spent the whole second half miserable. So I, <laughs> I would love to see Ohio State ten, take vengeance on, for both of those things. And hopefully, you know, people turn out and then they check it out. Because I think I, I think it's an intriguing matchup. I think there's a lot of narratives there that you guys can get into and we can talk about. Um, so I think it'll be a fun, I think it'll be a fun game and I really hope people show out for it. It's one of those games that if you, if you even are a casual observer of college football and you're flipping channels on a Friday and you see a Cardinal helmet and God willing, a, a silver helmet, right. um, the, the matchup <laughs> right. instantly is recognizable. Um, so it's, you know, they're two of the five best programs in the history of college football. They're two of the five best jobs in the, in college football currently. Um, only, I think really only those two in Alabama are in the group together. It's the two of them in Alabama. You want to throw Texas fine, but I mean, that's really it. They're the cream of the crop when it comes to those programs. Um, it's the Darnold factor is huge. Um, that's a big part of it. There's a lot going to be a lot of NFL players on the field. It's a, here's the problem though. It's a Friday night. If this game was a, if this game was Saturday and it was December 30th, I think that number one, the fans would be able to get down there. You'd have a chance. Um, certainly, the viewership numbers would be better. The fact that this is being played on a Friday night—that um, you know, just four days removed from Christmas—I I think it's going to be 
a tepid response. I really do. I mean, Ohio State travels as good as anybody. There are going to be a ton of Buckeyes. There's a ton of them in the Texas area. Um, but I don't know. As good as this is, they're just, I just don't know if there's going to be much juice for it um, just because of the timing of it all, which is a shame because it's just two great programs. And it's it's a lot of fun if you can – once you get over the fact that you're not in the big dance, it's, it's the next best one by 100 miles. I mean, imagine being Auburn. You're playing UCF. Like, right. How do you get <laughs> – yeah, I mean, we're in a Not pretty ideal. good spot. So it's it's a good one. Let me ask you: When was the last time? And I don't. I mean, maybe it's recent. I don't, I honestly don't know. I'm just thinking about this. But when was the last time Ohio State played a bowl game that was not after the new year or on the new year? Never in my time cover cover. Well, no, the Luke. No, because that was New Year's Day. My yeah. son was born when they played in the Gator Bowl, and I think that was New Year's Day. That was the only bowl trip I didn't go to in the last ten years. Right. Um. So in the last ten years, other than the year that they were you know band they were always playing at least new year's day and in many kids well the new year's eve you know when they messed that up but right, right, uh, right. for the most part it's been new year's day and it's been you know new year's eve new year's day or after because some yeah. of those cases you know those some of those bcs games would be like january 6th you know like we'd travel down like the 31st of january of december and you know be in tempe for or, uh, scottsdale for nine days before right. they played the fiesta bowl so um yeah i mean they now they've trying to jam it all in there uh because they want the playoff to stand on its own a week after new year's so it's this is how it's going to be but at december 29th I, you probably have to go back to like a like an alamo bowl with Zwicky i was about to say i think it might be, I, I want to take a look at this because aside from like new year's eve or new year's day i'm trying to think it might be honestly since the uh yeah since the alamo bowl like in 2004 but let That's me let I me just, say I'm trying to my guess. So they've got the Fiesta Bowl, obviously. Yeah, this goes all the way back to the Alamo Bowl in 2004. That's the last time they ben. played on December 29th. Um, so there so you, you So we were right. Yeah, and, and so I yeah. I guess my point with that is that you kind of get lost in the wash a little bit when it comes to all the other sure. bowl games. You you have more of a you know spotlight when you're December 31st or January 1st or something like that. So it's that's that's a little interesting to me. Uh, how that yeah, kind of works out. I think it's going to be a really hard sell. I don't know what the tickets are for it. You know, I know there's a lot of great, you know, travel companies that try to do Buckeye, you know, they make their year right, right. on I Buckeye get... Bowl travel. They're going to have a hard time, I think, with this one. Um, I think this will be a struggle. I mean, you were just there recently. You're right. going to go there again next year to play TCU in Jerry World. You know, yeah. like, do you really want to play? Too. I mean, it's not it's a Dallas. It's cold. Volume. No, Dallas is a fun city, but it's cold. I mean, it's 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So it's not like you're going to be, it's not a vacation. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think it'll be, it, and if it's, it was a Rose Bowl, it'd be a totally different situation. Even the Fiesta Bowl is a totally different, you know, that's a vacation. Dallas mm -hmm. is a work trip. You know, it's not, it's not a vacation. Um, so that said, it'll be a great match. We'll break it down over the course of the next month. All right. We have some time for some ask, ask us anythings, my friend. Go ahead. All right, so we've got a few here. So, again, you guys can send us any questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. Uh, let's start one from Dave, who sent one a little bit ago, kind of talking about Jim Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. And he – so he's kind of responding to our, our interview with uh, Shimmy, and he mm -hmm. wanted to know if we genuinely believe about what he said uh, about Jim needing five years to get the program in a better place. And he says, it seems to me that they may, he may be looking at this through maize colored glasses. 
So would you agree with Shimmy that five years is kind of the 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 standard here that they're looking? No, for? no, not not in two thousand. I didn't. I I respect him to death, and I love him as a person. So I'm not going to argue with him as when he's a guest on our show. But no, right. it shouldn't take five years. Uh, it might take five years to win a national championship. It might take five years to play in the playoff. But you should be beating your rivals in three years. Right. And so it's shocking to me he hasn't. As I've said many times, it's shocking to me that he's got a losing record against Michigan State. Um, he's got a long way to go. It's shocking to me he doesn't have a franchise quarterback. I mean, that's shocking to me. So yeah. he hasn't recruited one. That's strange to me that he hasn't been able to get that done. And that the program, the program was not, the cupboard wasn't bare. This wasn't Brady Hoke taking over for Rich Rodriguez. I mean, they had talent, as was proven by last year's NFL draft. So, no, it shouldn't take that long. If he was Michigan's urban, it would have already been done. Not a national title, but I mean, they would have beaten Ohio State. They would have, you know, they have a winning record against Michigan State. Yeah, one of the, I, I did a little post about this a little bit earlier this week, and I said, like, you know, you're looking at coaches in the Big Ten that have been there for less or three seasons or less. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of new coaches relatively yeah. in the Big Ten. Sure. And some of them have done very, very well, I think, in difficult situations. Some of them have not done so well. And I think where people are going to eventually fall in Jim Harbaugh is that he's a very good coach, but he's not a great coach. And I completely disagree. I'm with you. I, I, five seasons to me is absurd. Yeah. Uh, I think two or three should be getting them to the point where they are a dominant team and a real threat to Ohio State in the Big Ten. And that just hasn't happened yet. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with the team next year. They, they've got a lot of guys coming back. They're going to be a very, very good team next year. But they got to find a quarterback. And it's, you know, like we said before, it, it's kind of absurd that he hasn't gotten one yet. So, yes. we'll see yeah. how it works out with Peters or, or whoever else they bring in. But, yeah, I'm I'm – a little little skeptical right now. I think mm -hmm. of of Jim Harbaugh in general. Uh, this one's from Alvin Lynn, uh, and not necessarily. So this is like, you know, we've talked about that. Will the college football playoff expand to more teams? But but should it? I mean, should the playoff add more teams to what they have? They probably won't. I don't think either of us think that's really going to happen anytime mm -hmm. soon. But should they? I would either do. I would either keep it at four, or I would go to sixteen and eliminate the college the conference championship games and eliminate a game yeah. um, of the regular season. I would, I would probably go all the way to 16. Um, if you, if you wanted a real, you know, March madness feel. And the other thing that 16 would do is would allow college football to really dominate all the way through December. Um, you'd have all the eyes on television, you know, for that whole month. And the way it is now, we kind of give up three weeks of that or four weeks of December that we'd kind of just go away and disappear. Right. Um, so, and, and any, but anytime somebody says, well, yeah, you can't play that many games, the student athletes, I say, well, listen, in one double a, they play a, a 16 team playoff and everybody's fine. Mm -hmm. D three and in D two, they do it and everybody's fine. Are those student athletes, you know, worth any less than D one student athletes? No, of course not. So that that's a crutch in order to keep the bowl system alive because it's an old boys network that makes a lot of money. But, um, and frankly, if you want to keep those guys happy, you can play a lot of these games in bowl sites. It wouldn't be that hard to play the first round at home, the higher ranked team sites, and then go from there. Um, I mean, how excited would it be like Ohio state's number four in the country? I don't know who ended up number 16, but let's just say for the sake of this, it was, or who ended up number 12. So that would have been probably like, I don't know, USC or somebody like that. Imagine, let's just say it's USC for the sake of this conversation. Imagine if USC was coming to Columbus this weekend for a first round date with Ohio. State. Oh yeah. It'd be fantastic. Like that'd be great. You know, that's a win. So I would think, but I, that's my dream scenario. I do not think it'll ever happen because the conferences aren't going to give back their money in the conference championship games and it's all about the money. So it'll probably just stay at four. I hope it doesn't go to eight. I think eight would be a little bit silly. Yeah. I, I think, 
I don't know. I, I don't have a huge problem with it expanding. I personally think they do need to eliminate games just in general. I know that the other divisions do that. I think that's silly. Frankly, I don't think they should. I, I think there needs to be fewer games in general being played in college football. And that's never, ever, ever going to happen. <laughs> no. I just think for the safety of players, I, I think ultimately they're, you know, that would be the right call, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be OK with expanding it, but only if they eliminated the game. I don't think that's, you know, feasible, but that would just be my opinion on that. But I look and, and what I hate is when people say, well, if they expand it, then they're just going to start complaining about the other teams that got left. If you spend eight, well, what about nine, 10, 11, 12? I'm like, yeah, but the conversation between four and five is dramatically different than the conversation between eight and nine. Okay. You can, you can have a really difficult conversation and, and, you know, him and Han go back and forth about who should be fourth and who should be fifth. And that's fine because that's, that's a hard decision to make. I mean, we're talking about like the top four teams in all of college football, but when you get down to eight or nine, I don't know that people are really going to get that upset about the distinction between those teams. So I think that's a yeah, totally different. I- I think it's a disingenuous. I, I just don't like the idea that you can't expand because the conversation will be there. Like, yeah, it's always going to be there, but it's going to be diluted once you get down to the teams that are, are, you know, definitely borderline either way. So here's here's the only thing I would say to that. I think I, I don't dis I disagree with your premise that eight nine doesn't have as much of a, a big of a gripe as four or five. Uh, you could make a very very decent argument right now. For example, let's just use this year's. You sure. could make a very decent argument that USC and Penn State are every worthy of being number five in the country as Ohio State. Um, that they have everything. You know, they would their gripe. Like if you're USC, your gripe can be just as big as Ohio State's. Um, I do agree with you though that inevitably people are always going to complain. Like whatever yeah. system you're in. There's going to be bitching, whether it's four, it's eight. I mean, to be honest with you, the perfect way of determining the the college football national champion, if you just wanted to figure it out, was the BCS because it took the human <laughs> element mostly out of it. And yeah. most times they got it right. It was mostly the two most deserving teams in most of those years that there were two undefeated teams or two one loss teams. And it got the best team in the two best teams played. There weren't many cases where you could say, oh, they got that way wrong. And with this thing, um, you know, you, you get a wild card element to it, like Ohio State benefited from in 2014. It makes for better theater. It, it also makes the other bowl games almost entirely meaningless. I mean, in the, other, in the BCS system, at least you felt like some of those other BCS games had some juice. In yeah. this system, there's no juice to those games. I mean, just none. So that's, I think it's probably stuck at four for a very long time. And if it does expand, it may go to eight. And the problem with eight, though, is, my God, now you're pushing into the middle of January if you're committed to playing these, you know, these yeah. first round of games around New Year's. Yeah, you just can't keep playing football that long. Yeah. So, okay, so the last one here, this is from Tim. This is kind of an interesting perspective. We, I, I think this is a conversation that's been going around a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But he basically is talking about the – um the fact that Alabama gets essentially rewarded for playing, you know, Mercer and, you know, other other teams get rewarded for playing these really bad teams later in the season. Whereas Ohio state uh, playing a full slate of conference games may have suffered Mm -hmm. because of the scheduling a little bit. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's, he said, well, I just want to add this little, I'm real passionate about this. I'm sorry. Well, no, I want to add this postscript. He says, I'm not mad at all about 2017, but I, now I am mad about 2015. (laughs) So I think that's kind okay. of funny that you mentioned that. So let me just tell you what's happening. The SEC is smarter than you. Yeah. That's it. They take, instead of playing UNLV in the fourth week of September, they play Mercer in the second. They just moved it. So they yep. play a conference game in September, and they move Mercer 
to you know the 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 week before the Auburn game. That's all the SEC did. It's the smartest thing you can do. It gives you a rest. It allows you the other thing in most cases it does it allows the SEC to play conference games first week of the season and they get to kind of own that first weekend. The Big Ten finally came around to it and started doing it last year. But I mean, the SEC has owned week one in college football for a decade because they'll play South Carolina, Texas A&M on a Thursday and the whole country watches it. Um, So they're just smarter than us at the moment. And the other thing is, is the Big Ten decided they wanted to play nine conference games. That's their choice. Now, why did they do that? Well, they did it for the Big Ten Network so they could sell another conference game to their television partners. Okay, so that's choices that this conference has made. The SEC hasn't done that. They could. They're choosing not to. And they just take their cupcake and they move it from September until November. It's just they're smarter right now than the Big Ten is. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is it is it, you know, like a chicken shit move to to do that? Yeah. Is it smart? It's smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, why I mean, we should do that. We instead of playing, you know, well, we played Illinois, but instead of playing Illinois before Michigan, just move the UNLV game to before Michigan. Right. There's no rule that says you got to play nine conference games in a row. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you're right. And, and the thing is, like, if people look at a schedule like that, and they're like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe they're doing that. Well, yeah, but it works. And, yes. I, I, like, what is the goal? I mean, is the goal to get to the college football playoff or is the goal to win brownie points with the rest of the teams in your conference? So The thing that bugs me is I don't think people understand. People think that they're, like, replacing a conference game with Mercer. That's right. not what they're doing. They're just taking – the garbage game that you normally play in September and they're moving it to November and they're playing a tougher game in November. And yeah. I'm sorry, in September, they're just moving the game. Like it'd be like, if you just, if this year, Ohio state, if Illinois was worth the salt, if you took Illinois and moved them to the end of September and played UNLV the week before Michigan, it's the same thing. Yeah. That's all. No, it I, is. It, right. And so I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with sec, sec teams doing this. I look, I, I think teams change drastically from September to November. And mm-hmm. I also think that when you play games in November, the wear and tear of the season in general is just, it becomes such that, you know, every team or every game is heightened because of that. Yeah. Even if you're playing the likes of Illinois, whatever, that's, that's a, that's still a damn sight different than playing Mercer, but sure. All of that aside, you're right. It's still smart for all those reasons. It's smart to do that. Yeah, it's smart. So, the big thing yeah. should do so it. I don't, I don't know if they'll actually attempt to change anything like that. I think if they start to believe that it's really hurting their, uh, and by their, I mean the Big Ten as a whole, um, their ability to get to the college football playoff, they'll change it. But in the short term, I don't know that that's something that's going to, I mean, especially with the way the schedules are already set, uh, you're not going to see that that you know flip in the Big Ten, I think, for quite a bit of time. Yeah. The, Ohio State didn't get in because Alabama played Mercer. Ohio State didn't right. get in because they lost by 31 to Iowa. Exactly right. That's and they it. don't do that. If they if they win at Iowa, like they I forget what I think they were like twenty point favorites or something in that game. Yeah. Uh they win at Iowa, they're they're in. And that's that's it. And and so I don't and, think and that's really yeah. why I don't think Ohio State fans are really too up in arms about any of this is in general, because right. they know that that's the case. If you beat a team you're supposed to beat, a team that lost to Purdue, I think, in the week either before or after that, uh so, you're in. Right. So you can't really complain a whole lot. No. No. No, nope. so that's that's nope. ask us anything. Thank you guys for those questions. Uh, keep sending them in, and you know, as we get into the off season, you know, the weirder the better. So I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, we always do enjoy that. All right, buddy, we'll be back next week. Uh, no game to preview. So we're this is uh, this is the holiday schedule for the rest of the month. A little weird, and you know, what? <laughs> I was looking at some of the the uh, the way it worked out in years past, and 
the amount of time between Michigan and the bowl game now seems completely insane. Oh, uh, if you go back to like before you played before when you played before Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Like a month and a half. That, that makes no sense. Oh, well, so yeah, that's what it was. My first year covering Ohio State was 2007. Ohio State beats Michigan in uh in Ann Arbor. Beanie Wells running around with the rose in his mouth. Right. And and they didn't play they played LSU in the national championship game in Louisiana. I think that game was like January 6th or 7th. <laughs> I mean, it was it was almost 2 months. Yeah. between games that's absurd absolutely absurd yeah all right buddy we'll talk next week yep talk to you next week